0: Free Speech Radio News, San Salvador, El Salvador.
1: You've been listening to Free Speech Radio News. Our newscast is supported by Pacifica Radio, community radio affiliate stations and listener supporters.
2: Today's newscast was produced by Catherine Comp and Vinod K. Joes. Headlines editor, Nell Abram. And the technical production team at KPFA in Berkeley includes
1: Rose Katapchi and Pakloh. From Bogota, Colombia, I'm Manuel Rueda.
3: Hello, it is just after 6 o'clock and you're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Today's program of Closets Are For Clothes has been pre-recorded.
0: From the campus of the University of Michigan, streaming live on the web at wcbn.org. You're listening to WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor.
4: The views and opinions expressed on WCBN public affairs programming are solely those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily represent those of WCBN as a whole or the licensees of this station, the Regents of the University of Michigan.
0: The following is an encore presentation of Closets Are for Clothes.
1: I'm David Christopher Meitzel. You are listening to Closets Are for Clothes, coming from WCBN, coming from the basement of the Student Activities Building here on the University of Michigan campus. Very good to be back here. Welcome you to the show. And uh, we are going to talk today. Today is kind of a Mother's Day retrospect and forward spec. We are going to be talking about mothers, and I'd like to focus today on uh, uh, lesbians their children, and just being a mother as a lesbian, and uh, also uh, we're going to also be talking with uh, gay children who have mothers, and we're going to be kind of reflecting a little bit on that too. So we are going to speak first with uh, Lisa, and Lisa is an electrician, and she has a uh, young son. We're going to talk with her about being a mother and this uh, wonderful environment that we have, uh, certainly in uh, southeastern Michigan, to raise children um, and we'll, we'll uh, discuss that. Lisa, are you on the phone with me? Are you there? Yes, I am. Well, thank you very much for being a part of the show. Welcome to Closets Are for Clothes, and uh, certainly a belated Happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you. Well, you know, I wanted to talk a little bit about motherhood, and I, I myself only know about it in the sense that I am the son of a mother, but um, would, would you say that as a mother and the concept of motherhood, is there a difference between a gay motherhood and straight motherhood?
5: Well, speaking from my perspective, I would say probably you have the same challenges. Being a mother, it doesn't matter what your preference yes. is.
1: Mm-hmm. How long have you identified as a lesbian yourself?
5: Probably from birth, but actively since I was 16.
1: Okay. Now, before you were 16, did did you have a certain um, image of how you were going to grow up someday and, and, and have a family, have a child of your own?
5: Yeah. I mean, I've always said that I wanted to have eight kids. That was my favorite yeah. number, so I wanted to have eight kids. I love kids and have always been around kids. and. I'm just very blessed to have one of my own
1: that is that's terrific and and uh after you were sort of identifying uh personally as a lesbian sometime around age sixteen did did that image change or did your did your desires change
5: um no I really the image didn't change and the desires didn't change. I knew I always wanted to have a child and but obviously it's a little different because you I mean, I know a lot of straight people that just got pregnant, and you can't just get pregnant if you're a lesbian um, by accident, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't protect myself, I got pregnant. Well, as a lesbian, that doesn't happen. So, um, but my image never changed in the fact that I've always wanted a child. It was the fact of what was, I guess I never was in a, it felt, I felt like I was never in a good relationship to have a child until... The one that I have right now.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, is that what you were waiting for?
5: Um, that and living my life, doing the things that I wanted to do. Just timing-wise, um, I just was waiting. I mean, I played softball, and traveled, and that was just going to be hard to have a child in that um, that life of so, running all summer long.
1: Right, and so yep. you, so you always basically had this desire and this uh, this will to have a child of your own. Oh yes, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And of course, you you wanted eight. And why did you say you wanted eight? I don't know. It was just my lucky <laughs> just, number. Just a good number? That's terrific. Right. Okay, fine. So uh, then where were you in life when you decided you want you, you finally had your child? Now, you were. I think you said you were in a relationship. Were you in school still? Were you established on a job? You had your own home?
5: Yeah. I, actually, I was 42 when I had Zach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I look at it as I lived my life that I wanted to do when I wanted to do it, however I wanted to do it. I didn't have, you know, it was in relationships that we could travel, do anything. You didn't have to worry about, you know, taking a child out of school school or mm-hmm. anything like that. So I felt like that was, you know, that was one part of my life that I lived, and now I'm on, like, another chapter, if you will. So, um, so yeah, I obviously have a, a good job and am and well-established financially, and then it just happened, I, you know, I, my partner and I, that I have a child with, um, I met her, and when I met her and she liked children, and I could see that she was very good with kids it was you know something that we planned right
1: away mm. now before when you were discussing uh a little bit about the uh, straight relationship with a, a a man and a woman having a child and how it can sometimes happen by so-called accident or or you know intentionally or not right. and uh and so in that in that way it you know children are much more um what would i say uh they just they uh Seem to to appear sooner uh, than maybe expected or even planned for, and and right. that can be that can be disruptive to the intention of a family. Perhaps you know if if there's a if there's a a child that's unexpected that comes into the family, and maybe uh, you know husband and wife uh, can't afford the, the child at the time, or their job doesn't really allow for the attention. Uh, they have jobs or other responsibilities that don't allow for the attention of a child. So in that regard, uh, things can kind of happen. Uh, spontaneously and and kind of unexpectedly and maybe undesirably but when you were with your partner you had you both were had made a targeted decision you said we want to have a child together and it seems like it's a was a very thoughtful process is that true
5: well it is because like i said you can't you know unless you just happen to know a uh, a man that you accidentally slept with (laughs) or whatever. Um, You don't, it just doesn't happen. We plan for um, about six months. We went through a couple, well, a sperm bank and we basically, you get uh, it's like an interview, but it's obviously you don't interview the person that's on paper and you read their background, what they like. I mean, the medical history on them is amazing that you I mean, if you don't want him, a donor that's got you know, glasses. You can weed, weed those out, or if you don't want a donor that maybe had bad acne as a child. I mean, the description of you get from from these donors is incredible. So you, it is a very thought out process. You can, you know, first of all, you got to get the donor, the sperm that you're looking for, the description of what you what you want, and we basically had some. Desires and some of them, most of them, were matching my partner, so it would be a combination of both. Um, and some were just some medical history and the background and of you get background of both maternal and paternal parents and gra- the grandparents also
1: of the so do- of the donor you get
5: idea of where they came from.
1: So you you get all this background of the donor. Correct. And and uh, are there are there let's say pictures with the eyes uh, kind of blacked out, you know, covered up, or are there, is there any <laughs> uh, is there any visual indication of of who is p- supplying the sperm?
5: No, you, just a description. The, the the bank that we went with did not give you pictures at all.
1: Uh-huh. And, and yeah. so, how much confidence do you have in the information, the medical information that you're getting?
5: I you get- had to just believe that they gave you the truth. I mean, I, I, I wouldn't second-guess anything like that. I mean, they they have regulated the sperm banks that they—there's um, there's regulations that they do have to follow. I mean, I know for the bank that we went through, the donor—it's just a number, the, the donor number—that donor can only contribute to 10 families. And after 10 families, that's it. So, I mean, within a family, you can have multiples from the same donor, but you mm-hmm. can't have, they won't just, you know, give the, the donor to 100 people and, mm-hmm. and not really um, keep track of it, because they actually keep track of, you, you call them back to tell them that you've had a birth with that donor. Mm-hmm. So they, it's, it's very regulated and very regimented. Um, so you have to believe that they're following the rules and given you the information correctly
1: mm-hmm. and and uh, forgive me if this uh is is too personal and we'll move on if it is but i'm just curious was the uh was the um introduction of the sperm to you was that a, like a, a clinical experience so? yes okay yep and did you and your partner have any kind of a ceremony to to celebrate it
5: Insemination? Mm-hmm. Um, well, after we found out I was pregnant, yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> all right. Just curious on that.
5: Um, I right. mean, each process is just—I mean, basically going to the doctor, so it's not really anything. I, to me, it wasn't really that big of a deal.
2: Okay. The insemination
5: part of it. it was just part of the process to get to the end result.
1: Mm-hmm. How many attempts were there before you uh, were actually became pregnant?
5: I conceived on a third attempt.
1: Okay. Wow. All right. So now, so you and your partner, and I, I believe you said her name is Renee. Yes. And uh, two two women, and you both had a, a desire for motherhood. And and what do you think about that compared to like a straight couple, where you you, you know there's one woman in a, in a straight couple, and uh, she has her own independent desire for motherhood, and who knows what the man's thinking, right? But here in, right. your, in your relationship, you had you both had this concerted desire to have a child of your own. Correct. Yeah, um, now Renee uh, is there's, there's 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 no genetic background of her uh, in in Zach, and does that have any effect on your relationship? And oh no, you know, not at all. So. He's
5: just as much hers as he is mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because truthfully, uh, blood doesn't really make a parent. It's the way you treat the child, the way you raise the child, the way you direct the child makes a parent mm-hmm. blood really doesn't have anything to do with it.
1: What did you use as I mean. what did you use as a model for the kind of parenting that you wanted to provide as you and Renee for your son Zach?
5: Um, I think that the objective I would hope for any parent is to um Make that child or give the child the opportunity to be self sufficient, to be a contributing member of society. I mean, that to me is a successful parent.
1: Now, your son Zach, there's, uh, there's no father in this picture, is that right? Except, obviously, there's a genetic father, but there's no relationship father in the, in the, in the
5: situation. There is no, we look at it, there is no father. We had a donor. Uh-huh. And kind of like when I came up with a scenario, which I thought was perfect, is it's kind of like um, some people need a heart because they have a bad heart. They have a heart donor. We needed sperm to create a child, so we had a sperm donor. So we don't use father term at all. Uh-huh. So in his life, he has no father. He knows he has two mothers.
1: He has two mothers. So, uh, let me put a situation out here. Is, uh, let's say he's out on the playground and he's with other children. And I'm going to assume the vast majority of those children have uh, opposite sex parents. And he, you've already... Have you, have you explained these differences in life to him?
5: Yeah, he knows. He knows how he came about. Um,
1: how, do you, how do you explain that to a young child?
5: Well, he's fine, but he's, he's very smart. He, he picks things up very quickly. So we had a talk with him, actually, it was Christmas Eve, and we sat down and said, you know, usually you need an egg and sperm to create a child. And we had the egg, but we needed the sperm, so we got a donor that allowed us to have the sperm to create you. And so you have, you know, two moms because we wanted you. And he he gets that. He understands it because we were joking around, and um, you know, I said, because you know, you, as your child grows, you're like, oh, you're growing so fast, and you know, you used to be so little, and now you're not my little boy anymore. I don't have a baby anymore. And he says, well, if you if if you want another baby, you got the egg. <laughs> so it's like he's oh, a yeah, very okay. educated person,
1: and, much more so than I was <laughs> at that age.
5: Yeah, he, you know, and. I mean, every child is different, and every child learns sure. at their own level. But he remembers just about everything. When you're discussing something with him seriously, he'll, he'll remember it. And,
1: oh, watch out for that!
5: Use it in context. Yeah. So, all I right. Mean, so he's pretty much got the idea. And there's, you know, there's kids. I mean, his own cousin says, "Well, how how come?" And not asking him. So I don't know. I have not heard a response from him yet. Was um, he's. You know, my nephew said to me, how come Zach has two moms? And, you know, the explanation that we've told Zach also is, you know, all families are different. Some families only might have one mom and no dad. Some families have grandparents. Some families have an aunt or maybe an uncle. Some kids have two mothers. Some kids have two fathers. it Everybody's family is different.
1: It sounds like he's really going to be more socially sophisticated than the average child out there, don't you think?
5: Well, you know, it's it, it makes them more aware of their surroundings, I think, because he is very in tune with what other kids do and say and think. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's a good I think it's good for a child to be well-rounded, and that's what he, because of his environment and his family and his our lifestyle, he is well-rounded.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, so, yeah, he doesn't think of anything unusual about having two moms, because you are his mom, Renee is his mom. Now, does he call you Mommy 1 and Mommy 2, or how does that work?
5: No, he calls me Mama, and he calls her Mama Nay.
1: Uh-huh. Mom and a... And, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's nothing unusual to him at all. And no. and so he must... To him, it's unusual to have a, 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 a daddy.
5: Well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's not his life. He doesn't... Right. There is no... And he understands that, you know, he'll say, you know, his friend, oh, you know, Logan's dad. And, you know, he understands a mother and a father relationship. You know, he gets that. And he has never asked to this point, you know, because we always... We always say we're very blessed to have you, and you're very blessed to have us. Mm-hmm. And he agrees right with it, and he's happy. I mean, even when he went to daycare when he was—I don't even think he was about three years old. He, we put him in daycare only for the fact that you know we're we're a little bit older, and we don't. There's not a lot of young children in our life, so for him to get interaction with kids his own age, we put him in a daycare. And, and of course, the daycare people. You know, knew we told him up front. This is the this is the situation. He has two mothers. Is that a problem? And they were like, nope, no problem at all.
1: That's sort of what you have to do first everywhere you go, right? You have to right. you have to clarify. Thing, is my child. Going to be safe. He's in preschool now, and
5: when we put him into yeah. preschool, we said the same thing. You know, Zach has two mothers. He, you know, and. You know, is that a problem? Is that going to create a problem? And it's almost like if they know up front, it's like, no, it's really no problem at all.
1: You know, and a child comes in contact, in, in any kind of a school environment, a child comes in contact with so many adults, and I would be concerned for his... I would just be concerned that that there are some adults there who maybe aren't as enlightened or secure with the idea of two mommies.
5: Right. I understand what you're saying. Um, we really haven't come across that mm-hmm. at this point, Um because, it, you know, in the situation, you kind of shield your child from anybody that is somewhat negative or, you know, doesn't understand. But even in our neighborhood and, you know, most of our family, it, you know, Renee's family is very accepting. My family, they're, you know, they're a little bit um, the don't ask, don't tell policy kind of. Um, but, you know, the people that we've come across have been wonderful. They look at him as just an innocent child, which mm-hmm. he is.
1: Absolutely. And he, Go ahead.
5: I was just going to say, he was brought into this life. It wasn't his choice. It was our choice. So that should not be, you know, portrayed on him.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think he needs a male role model in his life?
5: I, I do, yeah. And we've always tried to keep, you know, we've had different, you know, um, uncles or cousins that we have. Um, he's got, you know, two grandfathers. So, you know, yeah, he does have male role models. And, yeah, it is important for... I mean, we had to have somebody teach him how to stand up and pee.
1: So, <laughs> there are, there are, Aren't there books for that?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
5: I think so. Um, you know, there are just different things like that, that he... You know, there is a difference between men and women. doesn't... I mean, there's obviously... No question about that. So, yeah, he does need a male role model, and we've tried very hard to always keep one in his life.
1: Uh huh. And, um, does, do you have any brothers who become his uncle, or, or how does that?
5: Yeah, actually, I come from a family of only, I have four brothers.
1: Uh huh.
5: And Renee comes from a family, she has two sisters. Okay. So, um, there's only boys on my side of the family for whatever reason. Uh
1: huh. And, uh, what about grandparents? Are they in the issue?
5: um my father's passed, but my mother's still alive, and she had a huge issue at the beginning um and i we basic she didn't see Zach probably for the first almost three years of his life oh my gosh because she, her thing was she didn't she thought he would be discriminated against, and she didn't want to watch the pain of a child go through that. It was her explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, but truthfully, she was the only one that was discriminating against him. Nobody else was. So uh,
1: yeah, and and so how are things now?
5: Um, they're much better. I mean, she she loves him, and you know he um, has got you know gotten used to her, and he just I mean she's just is well we call her Nana, his grandmother and he's accepting and she's come around and she's accepting and understands and you know, just she's from the old school and had a hard time with it so
1: Yeah, but she she missed out on those very early years.
5: Exactly. Yeah. And you know, and a lot of people say, Well isn't it hard and I'll say, Well it is but you know, it's she's she's missing out. You know, he doesn't know the difference. So he's he, as far as he's concerned, he's he's fine. He doesn't know he's missing anything. Mm-hmm. So it was her that really missed out.
1: And it's it's going to probably get more interesting in the discussions with him, Zach. You and and, and your son are going to become more interesting as as he grows up and and uh, starts to process so much more of this.
5: Yeah, actually, yeah, it, it is. And he, like I said, he's very smart and intuitive because he told me the other day. Because I've always kind of. I look at it as he doesn't have a, a, a father figure, so I kind of take on the role of both a mother and a father at times because I want him to, um, you know, to be active and to play and to wrestle and, you know, and most mothers don't do that.
1: So, so is are you saying that that's like a father role to to be aggressive and 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 be in sports and do do those kind? Of, I mean, do you call those boy things? I. Uh,
5: yeah more so. I mean you know obviously men are a little more um aggressive and and but you know I've always to me it's always been playing. I've always you know played with my nephews that way I've never you know, and actually my niece that way too, and just that's just but I look at it as a little bit more of a male figure. Then, you know, I don't, most of his friends, their mothers won't wrestle with them like I do.
1: Um, now, you are in the southeastern Michigan area, and you don't need to tell me the exact town that you're in, uh, if, unless you'd like to. Um, but uh, how much about yours and Renee's decision to raise a child uh, with, you know, two moms? is based on the area that you're living in as far as your comfort level. Did you Have you always been living in this area? Did you move here for that?
5: Um, I actually, Renee lived in Ypsilanti, grew up in, and was raised in Ypsilanti. When I met her, she still lived there. And I um, grew up in Dearborn Heights and moved out to Oakland County. And... Which is supposed to be, I mean, I mean obviously the Ann Arbor, its line area, you would think would be more accepting because there's more gay people in that area per capita, mm-hmm. I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but where we are in Oakland County, we have not had a problem, and where we were in Ypsilanti, before we sold that house, there was a problem with our neighbors. So it was you just can't you know, we didn't choose we chose where we're at right now because we're on a lake and it's fun mm-hmm. basically mm-hmm. over the Ypsilanti, which was a very nice house also. Um but, you know, I I don't know if the there's a good area or a bad area. I mean it's I think a lot of it is how you present yourself, and how the people around you accept it.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Now, you know, we don't hide our preference with anybody in our neighborhood, anybody, um, anybody, really. We are who we are. Um, so, I don't. We didn't really choose where we... I mean, this is where I lived before.
1: Yeah, so it's working out. It's working out very well.
5: Right. Uh, I mean, that wasn't pre-calculated. That just happened because that's where I lived, and we like that location.
1: Uh-huh. Uh, Lisa, we have just about 30 seconds left, and I wanted to ask you what your hopes are for your child as he grows uh, and becomes an adult.
5: Well, obviously, I mean, my hope for Zach is, is that he never... Have to see the prejudice that we've had to go through, and, and obviously things are changing. People are more accepting. I think the generations are are way more accepting than weren't in, in the past. And and with him, whatever he chooses for his preference, um, that he's just accepted for who he is.
1: Hmm. Lisa. Thank you so much. On your drive home, I believe I, I, I uh, interrupted you doing that. Thank you so much, and a happy motherhood to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. Next is the book report from Keith at Common Language. We'll have some music then. Later we'll talk with Kathy, who's a musician and a mother and more. You're listening to Closets Are for Clothes.
7: About him, Heather has two mommies. Uh, this was a book that was published in 1989 uh, by Leslie Newman. Leslie is a prolific writer He's written in many, many different uh, genres, including uh, several children's books. In fact, he just has uh, a couple out right now. Um, but Heather was um, in 1989. The world was perhaps not quite ready for uh, a book about um, lesbian moms. It has been a favorite on the conservative watchdog list ever since. In fact, the American Library Association has a ranking of the most challenged books in, um, in libraries across the country. And Heather Has Two Mommies ranks 11th in the 1990s. The reason for the challenges is fairly obvious when you read it. This is a book that takes place in a daycare center, um, or most of it does. And Heather tells about her two mommies, and we learn about families with two daddies, and some with stepmothers, and some with single mothers, and being raised by grandparents. Um, So a wide diversity of families. And um, this, of course, is anathema to the um, right wing that believes there is one type of a family. The ultimate message is that the only important thing about a family is that everyone in that family love each other. This is a book that has a very, very strong message, and it's told over and over and over again. Um, For those who have heard me on this show before, you know that what I like in um, just about any work is don't tell me the moral of the story. Just tell me the story. And if you do a good job of it, um, the moral will come through. So um, while Heather fails my test there, this has been a popular book, of course, for a long time. Um, It's now 20 years old. uh, And for many years, it was the only book readily available that uh, showed a family with two mothers. Uh, so for that reason alone, it's um, to be celebrated. In a very different thing is in one of my favorite children's authors, Todd Parr. Todd always uses bright colors and bold lines. There's nothing three-dimensional about his drawing. And yet, the two-dimensional uh, drawings um, add to the directness of his message. Quite often his uh, books have uh, two statements, one on the left side, one on the right side, that complement each other in one fashion or another. And in the book we're going to talk about today, it's the mommy book, appropriately. And he has statements that, um, for instance, on one side, it might say, some mommies drive minivans. And a wonderful picture of the mommy with uh, um, her head sticking out of the minivan. And then on the other side, it will be some mommies drive motorcycles. The beauty of Todd's work is the way he slips in the grand diversity of life and just lets it speak for itself. So he doesn't um, let, make the point over and over again that lesbian moms are okay. Rather, on some of the pages, there simply are two mommies, and that's okay. Uh, one of his wonderful books is It's Okay to Be Different, and he really says this on just about every page of every book he writes. A wonderful book for a child you might know, Uh, it's also a wonderful book for a mother you might know who will enjoy the um, bright side of Todd Parr's wonderful illustrations and writing. And finally, I'd like to talk about a book by Andrea Askowitz. We had the pleasure of hosting Andrea in, here in Bourne Court uh, about a year ago. It was last August, right after the Michigan Women's Festival. She was coming through town and did a presentation here. She is both a performance artist as well as now a an author, uh, or memoirist in this case. The name of her book is My Miserable, Lonely, Lesbian Pregnancy. And again, her name is Andrea Askowitz. This is just an absolutely riotous memoir. Uh, she divides the book into four sections: three trimesters plus the postpartum. Uh, and she has decided she has always wanted to be a mother, and uh, has goes through um, this extensive and rather hilarious process of um, becoming a mother. Um, Unfortunately, in the process, she also breaks up with the woman who is going to be her uh, co-parent. Uh, the, uh, so this makes is exactly the reason for the title, My Miserable, Lonely, Lesbian Pregnancy. The incredible thing about this book is that she takes what are really difficult times, not just for her, but um, oftentimes for every any mother, um, and the, the pro- processes of going through pregnancy and giving birth and um, how you deal with families and friends and exes and all of the different um, aspects. And it seems like the more tragic the, the story, the funnier she makes it. Um, And it was funny listening to her talk about this experience. And as she says, you know, this reads very funny, and at the time was not funny at all, but perhaps putting it into the humorous element is what uh, ultimately made it all possible for her to get through it all. Um, It is, she didn't keep a journal during the entire time, but the book itself was actually written based on those journals afterwards. So there are a few... Suggestions for you on this Mother's Day week?
1: That was Keith or at the Common Language Bookstore with a book report. And you can access the uh, store's website at glbtbooks.com. And their phone number in Ann Arbor, Michigan is 734 663 0036. Up next is uh, Billy Malone with a poem he wrote for his mother
4: Mother's Kiss. Of loyal sun and honest flower In summer plays the child unended Yet might a stinging scrape be mended Within a stroke of human power So shall such sadness lay forsaken On gentle breast his cuddled cheek A velvet voice his comfort speaks And all things wrong away has taken His heart when suffering loves delusion As dismal winter day has waned A touch from God his soul ordained Through lips bestowing absolution
2: lot of um i think a lot, like all maybe not all but a lot of gay men love and adore their mothers and i think it's you know that's probably a common thread with gay men and i think i i, I would think most of them have supportive mothers if not supportive families at least the mom usually comes around you know because she really cares about her her child and I'm really lucky because my whole family's been very supportive of me, but especially my mom, I think I'd be kind of kind of lost without her. She's been a huge influence on my life and still is today.
0: You're listening to The Gay Radio Collective.
8: 76 at
4: the Houston Summit. Put a in your stride, a in your head, come on mother 500,000 of power. If you got a boss, you for sure, whatever part of your body it is, I want you to lay. You're listening to an encore presentation of Closets Are For Clothes on 88.3 WCBN-FM Ann Arbor.
0: Write us at closets at gayradiocollective.org. You can also find archive shows on our website or the weekly broadcast on iTunes.
4: Support for WCBN and Closets Are For Clothes comes from the gay and lesbian community and listeners like you. Hear WCBN anytime at the website wcbn.org. My name is Jared, and I wrote this song for my mother. My mother
6: has struggled from cancer um, for about the last 12 years and has really been kind of a staple in the community as far as people looking to her for support. Uh, People walk up to her all the time, people that I've never seen and people that she's never even met and tell her that uh, she's their hero. And... um, and it just works out the way i wrote the song i just i kind of had a a chord progression and i started writing kind of lyrics to it and it just it fell together and i knew immediately that what i was doing was writing about my mom uh so i continued it i wrote it for and i gave it to her last year for mother's day Uh, and this year i will give her the recording i'm her gay son i did come out to her within the last year uh she has struggled with it slightly um as many moms do, but has embraced the idea and has embraced me and has realized that I am not a different person and that I have always been this way. My mom has been, and my grandmother, they're my rock.
3: When you're down on life Nothing makes any sense and You don't know where to turn Just remember that You have a guiding light, Lord Will you take my hand again? I know you have a plan Supposed to understand, and it will work out in the end. I give it all to you in hopes that me you. find my strength give it to my family too whenever they are blue sometimes I feel like I've had to give so much just to stay in touch. Oh, will you help them understand when I think about the sacrifices I've made in the struggle just to stay alive? I quickly realize you are the only one who could ever truly understand. Sometimes I feel like they don't care. Forgive me for this feeling of despair. When you're down on life Nothing makes any sense And you don't know just remember that you have a guiding light lord will you take my hand again i know you have a plan and i'm not supposed to understand and it will work out in the end
2: I came out to my mom about seven years ago and she was very she was kind of shooken up at first, but she loves me a lot and she's very accepting of it. She's been very supportive. She knows my boyfriend and she's happy for me. She's a very wonderful person. I think she's shaped me a lot, made me into the person I am today. Caring and not a not a tool, <laughs> I guess
0: is a progressive woman so she understands that there's relationships of all kinds and i grew up with two lesbian aunts so i know whoever i brought home my mom would just be happy that i'm happy
1: Closets are for clothes. I'm David Christopher Meitzler, and you're listening to WCBN, the Gay Radio Collective, here on the campus of the University of Michigan, streaming on the web and also available on iTunes. Closets are for clothes. And we have heard a bunch of uh, sound samples in the back. Uh, we just heard uh, some music from Kathleen Moore titled Green from the uh, CD Across Time, and that's available at cdbaby.com. And before that, we heard the song Despair, music by Jared written in honor of his mother. On the phone with me is Kathy. Kathy, are you with me?
8: I am, David. Hi.
1: Welcome back to Closets Are For Clothes. The listeners might recognize your voice from long ago. (laughs) A while ago, David. Well, you know, listeners you uh, know. are all types out there. <laughs> well, I wanted to talk to you. First of all, thank you for the music, and uh, uh, thank you for coming on the show with us tonight to well, talk about to talk about uh, motherhood and talk about uh, having children, and, and also we've had uh, children talking about uh, their moms. Um, I want to talk a little bit about with you and and sort of your story. How did how did motherhood come into your life?
8: Well, I uh, fell in love with a woman who uh, wanted very much to have a child and uh, so that got me going on it and uh, we began to this was you know this was uh, 25 years ago so there weren't the options uh, that there are now in terms of um, donor sperm banks and all that kind of thing we 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 basically went to a medical doctor um, who was um, uh, who specialized in fertility and, and uh, got sperm through him, but uh, through his uh, line on, on donated sperm. But, um, you know, we, we didn't have any say about, you know, what the person looked like or, or weren't able to uh, make a connection with the person so that um, the child could know uh, the biological father if they chose to when they became adult. None, none of that was an option back then. This was sort of, we were kind of at the cutting edge 25 years ago with, with pursuing motherhood. As as lesbian mothers, it,
1: it, wh- how controversial was it back then?
8: Well, um, nobody knew anybody was doing it because it was it was it was such a new thing at that time. So there, the the wave hadn't really built yet it is 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 part of um, how I would describe it so nobody was talking about it uh, I mean here in Ann Arbor we had a we had a small mothers group um, of uh, those of us who had you know all done it around the same time and our children were the same age and um, while of course there were women who had done it before us I think in terms of kind of a, a movement level we were we were we were uh, kind of in the forefront and um, there were we had a, a group of I believe eight Eight parents and and their children in that in that mother's group. So that was that was in Ann Arbor, um, and uh, so it was just it was just getting started. So nobody was really talking about it yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, did you say this this uh, group of eight parents? They were all women. Yes. Okay. And uh, I I can certainly see that happening happening in Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you have any sense of what was going on across the country?
8: Oh. Um, well, I think that probably Ann Arbor uh, was an exception in terms of it happening at the level that it that it even was happening then, um, and so I I, I I don't think that there was happening much in say, you know, Oklahoma or, or something like that. I think it was happening on the coasts um, and in the in the larger urban areas uh, where there was some uh, acceptance. I mean, uh, certainly everyone in the group was part of the reason we were here in Ann Arbor was we thought we had a, uh, you know, some level of, of chance to, to raise our, our children without a lot or as much discrimination. I know that was certainly important to me.
1: Were these all first-time mothers? Uh, yeah. Wow. So you're all really, I mean, you're, you're all just really starting to, to, to do this new thing in life. You, well, you know,
8: you just. Know, it is new, and yes, it was new, but hey, you know, we're women. Well, yeah. And women and, give birth and to parents. mean, that's in part what the song Green is about. I mean, yeah. women are, are who we all come from, and if you're a woman, then, it, you know, it's kind of a natural thing to to uh, want to have a child. And everybody in the group obviously wanted wanted to have that experience.
1: Yeah, and, and uh, our, our first uh, woman we talked with tonight, Lisa, uh, I, and I don't know if I made that that point, but I mean, when you have two women who are are really desiring the motherhood, mm-hmm. it just seems like um, the chances of it happening have got to go up because <laughs> people are so they're, you know very dedicated to the project
8: depends on on how fertile you are, you know i mean uh, some some women take take to it very quickly, and other others of us have to uh, go to repeated appointments for for the inseminations because it it just it just takes us longer but um it was always clear in, in in my situation who who wanted to have the experience of being a biological mother and and that was my partner and um and so um it was all about her getting pregnant and um, following through on that.
1: When that was happening, did you take on traditional roles in a sense of, um, as did you kind of, I don't know, be like a, more like a father figure for your partner or, uh, was there any kind of, I don't know what I'm, what I'm looking for here in in my terminology, but.
8: Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I went to every single solitary insemination appointment. Yeah, so you um, were present. You know, this was, this was a child that my partner and I were planning together, and um, I wanted to be there for every, every minute uh, that, I, that I could be. Uh, and, uh, it, you know, it was, I mean, we were, we were on an equal level in terms of both of us wanting this and both of us planning this and providing for this and, um, and welcoming that child into the world.
1: What were your um I'm sorry how many attempts did you say it took?
8: Well, it it just so happened that that uh we had some uh f- fertility uh challenges and so we uh we were going to inseminations for more than a year.
1: Uh-huh and that 's
8: just how it is sometimes people are are, are less fertile than others
1: and what were you, what were your hopes and dreams at that time? you know you didn 't have she wasn 't pregnant yet right and and you would keep going to these repeated appointments. There must have been a lot of frustration every time it failed
8: well, I mean, you can imagine the the disappointment and and it gets repeated and actually, uh, we kind of got to a point where we were getting um, kind of so down about it that we took a break for a while. And then came back, and interestingly enough, as soon as we came back, that she got pregnant right away. Oh. So, <laughs> I wow. don't know, go figure. <laughs>
1: yeah. Needed, needed a break. <laughs> I guess so. Wow. And, and then, and because of that, because of the frustration, the struggle you went to, you had a beautiful child.
8: Well, you know, it's the one thing about uh gay and lesbian parenting is that there there's there's no accident involved here <laughs> i mean it's such an intentional pursuit of of becoming a a parent so um so yeah
1: do you do you think maybe because of that uh it you know i could see how that could be marketed as well gay and lesbian parents are much more uh, focused on having a family, and they are much better at having a family. Ooh. I mean, don't. don't <laughs> what do you dangerous. think about that? Well, I know it is dangerous. <laughs> what a. You know, that's cha- it's challenging the, the heterosexual parenting um, model that, uh-huh. that we know so well that perhaps gay and lesbians make better parents, uh-huh. because, well, it's only you know, because they're I mean, more targeted. Well, so
8: many fabulous heterosexual parents out
1: there. Out are, there are, without question. Um, and, and I don't... You know, I'm going to get angry letters now. I think, I'm I think
8: <laughs> that it probably tends to be more like, you know, within our population of gay and lesbian people, we have probably about the same uh, average of really good parents yeah. and, you know, just good parents and moderately good parents as is, is in the larger population. You're probably right.
1: <laughs> You're probably right, but I, I just I wasn't really ready, ready to let that go. (laughs) I don't know.
8: Well, there is, you know, there is a lot of intention, but but likewise, the heterosexual people pursue it with, with a lot of intention too, um, you know. Sometimes, and then the accidents are
1: also possible. Okay, so really, maybe just the the main difference is that in, in the the gay and lesbian uh, community, there just aren't accidents, and and uh, it's uh,
8: usually not right. No,
1: yeah, something no. something weird would have to be going on.
8: <laughs> well, or or something something bisexual would have to be going
1: mm-hmm. on. Okay, all right, and so uh, you raise this child, and. How about raising a young, uh, you know, a baby into a young uh, boy Mm -hmm. and uh, then a a young adult and then an adult? And how did you educate him about having two moms?
8: Well, um, you know, we we basically uh, said we're a family. There are lots of different kinds of families in the world. Um, The most important thing in a family is whether or not you're loved and respected. Um, and and cared for um, and that's what we have here together and and that this is our family so I mean that sounds kind of simple but that's those are the basics after all Uh, a family needs to be loving and respectful and caring of each other Um, and there are lots of different kinds of families out there
1: what about the grandparents
8: well um, all the grandparents were thrilled
1: <laughs> <Great>.
8: <laughs> I would say uh, you know my mother was the first one at the hospital to visit. She was ecstatic about having a grandchild i'm I'm an only child so um so she was she was ecstatic and uh, you know my father had 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 more problems with it he uh he f- felt more negatively about my about my my being a lesbian but uh my partner's parents were ec- ecstatic and thrilled um yeah so and uh and her father ended up um, her her mother died uh, when when our son was was quite young, as did my mother, which was unfortunate but um my partner 's father was very important. To our son growing up, he ended up um, moving here to the Ann Arbor area uh, about uh, between ten and fifteen years ago, and so he could be a very active part in, in our son 's life and that that was, that was wonderful he was he 's a wonderful man and, uh, and our son ends up being uh, actually a lot like him you know there 's a, there's a lot of power to those genetics yeah. so um, so that that, that was that's been
1: a real gift. Did your son need a, a male role model?
8: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Why? Um, you know, a, a, a male role model does not have to be uh, a father living in the house, but yes, male role models are very important to, to young men growing up. And there's a lot of young men that uh, that don't have them in the home, or if they have them in the home, sometimes they're not very good role models. Uh, so, uh, but But a good role model for for all of us is important. Um, so, so yeah, I think I think that's really important. Well,
1: uh, you certainly role models are are important. And I, I was curious uh, what you thought uh, the male component at brought to your son's life.
8: Well, you know, it's pretty it's pretty common that when uh, a little boy gets to a certain age. Um, he kind of leaves his mom <laughs> in a sense, and um, you know most of his friends are other boys and and the girls go through this too you know um, and and I think understanding oneself as you 're growing up um, it, you know requires being able to relate yourself to an adult uh, of the same sex. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's just a uh, that's just an important thing I think in our in our culture and, um, and part of how culture has evolved for that matter. So so I think it's I think it's important. So and uh, we certainly you know tried to uh, make uh, good male role models available to our son as he was growing up in in a number of different ways.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell me about like you had movie nights. I'm sure when, when he would bring his friends over from school and oh yeah and uh, how did the friends react to I mean they must have known about two. Moms moms before they they showed up at the house and and did your did you have a sense that your son was carefully choosing his friends at school uh
8: yeah he's 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 a smart he's a smart guy <laughs> and he and he learned how to choose very very good friends and he chose them early on and he's still friends with them um he did there was a period a very uh painful period in um middle school years um and we had and uh, put him into a private school for for some for various reasons, and, um, you know, middle school is is difficult for for most of us. Um, He did experience some discrimination and bullying. Um, at, at that point in his in his life, and that that was very very hard.
1: You had to remove him from the public school system because of that.
8: No 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 no. Oh? He was in the public school systems, and basically because he he needed in, he needed a different learning environment for a while during okay. a portion of his of okay. his growing up. So for that reason, we transferred him into this private school. Then in the private school, he was there during his middle school years, and that's when he received the bullying. It was in the private yeah. school. Oh, he returned okay. to the public school for safety. Um, in, in high school yeah. and, and had a, you know, the public school was always uh, uh, very forward-thinking and very accessible.
1: Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, we have just about a minute and a half left, and I wanted to see what you hoped for for your child. What would you like to see Well, I happen? hope that he
8: realizes um, his truest self in the world and makes um, his singular contributions in it and is happy and fulfilled and um comes to visit his mom's regularly.
1: <laughs> yes.
8: <laughs> Especially when he has grandchildren of his own. <laughs> yeah, and
1: so you're hoping for grandchildren and there're going to be two grandmas, right?
8: Right, right, right. You know, pretty pretty typical.
1: That sounds wonderful. Kathy Moore of kathymooremusic.com and former closet host. Thank you for so much for being a part of the show and 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 certainly happy motherhood to you. Oh,
8: well, thank you so much, David. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me.
1: Thank you, Kathy. All right. I'm David Christopher Meitzler. Catch us on the web at WCBN.org and on iTunes. You've been listening to Closets Are For Clothes.
4: been listening to an Encore presentation of Closets Are For Clothes.
2: And the radio is on, and the radio man is speaking, and the radio man says women were a curse. So men built Paramount Studios, and men built Columbia Studios. 5 a.m., and you are listening to W, C, B, N, F, M, Ann Arbor,
0: Radio, Cheese, Alternativa,
2: Monkey, Grassroots, Anarchy, Freeform. 4 and 5, therefore 9, 9 and 9, therefore 18, 18 and 18, therefore 36, 4 and 5, therefore 9, 4 and 5, therefore 9. 9 to 9, therefore 18, 18 on 18, therefore 36, 4, therefore 9.
3: Mr. B is out of town, and I can't find anyone to